from Cincinnati. Mo, this is uh, we were excited to talk a little bit about Cincinnati coming into the uh, the Big Twelve, BYU, UCF, Houston. That's old news now. Okay, four new four new schools on the way. It's going to be a sixteen team conference. Mo, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. What an interesting uh, what an interesting last forty eight hours in college athletics. One word you could use, yeah. You know, uh, I think we all saw some version of this happening. You know, from a from a from our standpoint in Cincinnati, you know, the league is changing, and Cincinnati hasn't played uh, an athletic event as members of the Big Twelve yet. And so, I think here locally, it's just like, all right, let's let's get a sense of what this league is going to be like for the Bearcats in the short term, and then, you know, obviously with the other schools coming in, you know, my my thoughts I think are are like most. Uh, much of this was inevitable uh, from the standpoint of, you know, a, a league like the Big 12 doing everything it can to gobble up members. I, I, I guess this is a good day, but as a college sports fan, you know, it, it just, the, the stuff that made so much, the, the stuff that made so many of us love college sports to begin with just goes away more and more. And I, I at least personally find, find that to be quite sad. Yeah, it's um, uh, and you got to have uh, some empathy for these schools who are left behind. Uh, and of course, Arizona State, as they come in in Utah, I, Mo, they're they're not like Cincinnati and UCF and and these other schools. You see, I mean, it's just they're they're feeling like, well, we got to go somewhere. All right, this is probably our best destination, maybe our only destination. In time, hopefully, they grow to. To, to love us in the Big 12. But it, it does feel differently, of course, than Cincinnati and these schools. I saw at Big 12 media days that were so excited to be a part of things. And you're right. It's just kind of like you just kind of have to fall where you can find a spot. It's musical chairs. But the Pac-12, Mo, is dead. The Pac-12 is no more. I mean, they'll play another season because they have to before everybody ramps up for 2024. But it's kind of crazy, isn't it, to, to really think about the fact that in one day the whole thing just went away. And, and, and unfortunately, that's kind of where we are. And it, and it may not be the last time something like that happens to a conference. But uh, it's pretty wild just to basically kiss away a conference uh, in, a, in a single afternoon. Yeah, and you know what's interesting if 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 somebody in your audience was let's say they slept late or weren't looking at Twitter or were too busy working or were doing something else, there was actually a stretch this morning where the report was actually the Big Twelve is going to band together and be okay, and then the thing completely and totally dissolves. It's it's weird to think of major college athletics without the Pac-12, but. It's weird to think of major college athletics with UCLA in the same conference as Ohio State, and there being a conference that spans from Seattle, Washington, to uh, College Park, Maryland, and Piscataway, New Jersey, to Los Angeles. Those things uh, take some getting used to. You know, here in Cincinnati, this is, to a degree, at least from a University of Cincinnati standpoint, kind of a way of life. I mean, you know, I'm 45 years old, so I grew up with the University of Cincinnati was in the Metro with Louisville, right? And then they were in the great Midwest, and then they were in Conference USA, and then they were in the Big East, and then they were in the American Athletic Conference, and now they're in the Big 12, and 
I think, you know, people here are talking about how, well, Cincinnati seems safe in the Big 12. Well, yeah, for now, uh, conference realignment and, and conference shifting and the school moving from one league to the other, you know, frankly, over the last uh, 30, 35 years has just been sort of a way of life around here. And so I left to wonder, as much as I think the Big 12 is going to be a nice home for the University of Cincinnati, is that where they're going to be in five years? Is that where they're going to be in 10 years? You know, when they moved to the Big East in 2005, you know, we all thought this is how it's going to be. It's a good football league. It's obviously a terrific basketball league. Well, they were in that league for, for eight years. And so what we have come to expect with conference realignment is nothing is permanent. And my guess is that's going to prove to be the case long term. Yeah, but this may this should make everybody feel better at Oregon State. Oregon's Big Ten press release, uh, Mo, is out there. In coming years, the UO will prioritize the long-held traditions, including competition across all sports, with Oregon State University. What do you think the Oregon State people think about that press release? I, I, I hope they would tell Oregon where to stick that. Where to, I mean, the, where do they get off saying something like that? I mean, it's kind of like Oklahoma. I mean, they didn't even care about Oklahoma State. They just, hey, we're gone. We're out of here. We're going to the SEC. Hundred years of rivalries and all these games and all um, thrown out the door. And, and to your point, you got Oregon, Oregon State. Used to be called the Civil War, and um, Washington Wazoo. The uh, was that the Apple, whatever that one is. Um, I mean that those are gone. I mean, and of course it's uh, Bedlam. OU Oklahoma State will be gone. Um, the uh, Kansas Mizzou, I think that was the border war. Uh, I feel like West Virginia and Pitt may have kind of come back or something here recently, but a lot of these things are uh, are gone. It's just it's tough to uh, it's tough to swallow. How are the Cincinnati people feeling, Mo, about uh, about this Big Twelve schedule? I mean, are they ready to welcome the Bears into town, show them around Skyline Chili, some of the other uh, big things that are there? Like, what's the excitement level? Um, uh, heading into that first uh, this first season, I mean, I, I, they put the schedule out so late that I'm still trying to kind of get my arms around how this all looks, and I'm doing the pregame for all this stuff, and I still don't have a a great feel for all this. Are the Cincinnati people, Mo? Are they are they pretty uh, are they pretty pumped about uh, about about what's coming up this season? Well, as as the, as me being the person who does the pregame for UC, I'm sort of in the same boat. Uh, I think, yeah, look, first of all, the American Athletic Conference, the University of Cincinnati and the American Athletic Conference thrived, at least from the standpoint of the two major sports. Look, they, they made the college football playoff. They had another season in which they went undefeated. From a basketball perspective, they basically made the tournament every single year for the first six, seven years of the conference's existence. They, they qualified as a two-seed in the NCAA tournament one year. And so the uh, conference, the University of Cincinnati did okay, but it was sort of a mishmash of schools that were just thrown together because they, they needed a home. It lacked any sort of geographical identity, which I guess now every league is going to lack. Uh, there were no built-in rivalries. None of the schools were close to Cincinnati. There was no real history. And so from day one, 
folks who care about UC sports couldn't wait to leave. Now, was that going to mean eventually for the ACC? Was that going to mean for the Big 12? Was it going to mean for a different sort of league? We didn't know. So anything that's not the American Athletic Conference is going to be greeted with a lot of enthusiasm. I think, obviously, you know, this is all about money. So the, 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 the conference itself is more lucrative. It's higher profile. There are going to be schools that you have heard of on the conference schedule. I think there's a lot of excitement for Cincinnati in a league that can be an asset as opposed to the American Athletic Conference, which for the most part was a little bit of a liability. I think in the short term, though, from a football perspective, look, this program is dealing with really the perfect storm of things that can work against you. It's a first-year head coach in Scott Satterfield, Luke Fickle left for Wisconsin. When there's a coaching change, it's always hard. It's particularly hard in this day and age when players can just bounce. So you throw that into it. You throw into it a program that I think has done a nice job of playing catch-up but is, I think, maybe a little bit behind some of their new Big 12 brethren in terms of NIL. Oh, and by the way, the level of competition is going to be better. Now, the league itself threw Cincinnati a bone. There's no Texas on the schedule. There's no Texas Tech on the schedule. There's no TCU on the schedule. There's no Kansas State on the schedule. But still, I think in the short term, there's a fear that a program that two years ago was capping off its second consecutive undefeated season this year, the waters might be a little choppy. And not for any one reason, but for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that the competition on the field is going to be better. How, what has uh, Mo Egger joining us, boy, personality there in Cincinnati, does a baseball, covers Cincinnati athletics. Uh, I've done national radio with him, does a great job on, uh, on uh, ESPN Radio, has done Fox in the past. What is uh, Mo, the um, Scott Satterfield, what has the, what, what's been the uh, reception for him? Because Fickle did such an amazing job. You always knew he might leave. You're right. The timing's a little tough with the new conference and everything. What, what, how has Satterfield been received? And like personality-wise and everything, is he? Um, what's he like compared to Fickle? Is he? Is he kind of? A, I, I didn't get to be around him a lot at media days. Is, is he a guy that kind of has has brings some juice? What's the What's the reception been like for him since uh, Cincinnati made that move? Well, I think the reception has been, there's open-mindedness. You know, I think, first of all, the greatest coach in the history of the school left. And so that always brings with it hurt feelings. The job that Luke Fickle did here, uh, it it can't be overstated how good it was. Uh, He did, he energized the fan base from day one, taking over for now Senator Tommy Tuberville. Uh, Luke Fickle will have a statue outside Nippert Stadium one day, or at least he should. He was t- so anybody who fills those shoes is 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 going to be met with an instant challenge. I think that the, the Scott Satterfield, I think most most fans would label it as weird because uh, when Luke Fickle left, you know how it works. You know, there's there's the hot board of coaches who might be interested. There's leaks of rumors and innuendo and different candidates. So, you know, obviously folks here wondered if they'll bring Deion Sanders to Cincinnati. Scott Satterfield's name was never mentioned. Scott Satter- I mean, I, I never talked to anybody who said, hey, you know what, I think maybe Scott Satterfield's going to be the guy. 
And so uh, the news came as a little bit came of uh, as a little bit of a shock. I think the other thing that factors in is you know Louisville's 100 miles from here, and so you don't have to go very far to sort of gauge the reaction of the people in Louisville. And whether it's right or wrong, there were a lot of folks there who were not that unhappy to see their coach go to Cincinnati. So I think you have to you have to consider those things. I, I think. You know, you talk about his personality. The very first person I asked was Chris Mack, who used to be the basketball coach at Louisville, who was obviously at Xavier before he went there. And I said, am I going to like Scott Satterfield? And he said to me, you're absolutely going to love him. Uh, from a personality perspective, uh, a very engaging guy. And, and I, I think a little bit more so than Luke Fickle. Any coach? Well, look, I'll say this. Uh, Cincinnati is moving up a level in competition from the Americans to the Big 12. Scott Satterfield oversaw. Appalachian State's transition from Division One AA to Division One. Now it's not an apples to apples comparison, but all right, they 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 have somebody who has overseen a program going into a different level of competition. You go there. Even his biggest detractors in Louisville, where he was at one point the conference coach of the year, would say, "We think he can coach offense." He never really had a quarterback at Louisville, but but yeah, he can he can coach offense. Uh, I think the thing that's going to be interesting and the thing that ultimately is going to determine whether or not he has success here is can he recruit locally? Luke Fickle recruited Cincinnati better than any head coach who has ever been here, and he prioritized it. Uh, he, he, swung, he swung a big, big bat and tried to get kids who uh, were getting offers from places like Ohio State and Notre Dame and Michigan, and you're not going to get most of them, but you can't get any of them if you don't try. The previous regime didn't try. Luke Fickle did. Scott Satterfield's going to have to recruit this area. What he, what I think is giving some fans pause is by his own admission, when he was 100 miles away at Louisville, he didn't really recruit Cincinnati. He didn't really recruit it, and he didn't really recruit it that well when he did. And so that's going to have to change. Uh, there's been a lot of change with this program. Uh, Ten new starters on offense. The, the, the transfer portal, they were able to keep some kids on defense, but there's a ton of guys who started their college football careers at other institutions. So in the short term, we don't know. We don't know what they have, but Scott's ability to sort of mesh this collection of guys from other programs into a cohesive unit, I think is going to give us a pretty good idea as to whether or not he's the guy here uh, moving forward. All right, in Cincinnati, basketball was so great in the past, and people love it. They're at Xavier and Cincinnati. They love their hoops. Is, uh, is Wes Miller uh, have this thing headed in the right direction? I mean, I guess he could. You'd never know it in this conference because this is uh, only going to get better, and it's the best. It's already the best basketball conference in the land. Um where where is this program? How have they done in the portal, and how competitive do you think uh, uh, Cincinnati will be in uh, in year one of Big Twelve uh, men's basketball? Well, I think the thing that Wes has finally achieved is stability, and you know, here, uh, right or wrong, for about three decades. Cincinnati basketball had two head coaches, Bob Huggins for 16 years, Mick Cronin for 13 years, both very, very successful. And I think what happened is folks here sort of took for granted Cincinnati basketball has a clear identity and is a picture of stability. Say what you want about either of those two coaches. Well, what happens with a coaching change? It, 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 it disrupts that stability. Well, when you have one, 
it rocks the boat. When you have two within a three-year stretch, it really rocks the boat. And so, you know, you think of everything that was thrown at that program. Uh, Mick Cronin left, and when he left, it was the middle of April. So, you know, the new coach, John Brandon, had to come in, cobble together a staff, uh, cobble together a roster. He's here for two years. They move on from him. They made that move in April, so they hire a Wes Miller. In the middle of all that, you had the pandemic. You had the, the weirdness that came with that. You had the, the introduction of new transfer rules, which complicate things. And so I think Wes Miller's first year, he was really swimming upstream against, you know, I, I got to put together a staff. I got I to gotta re-recruit some players. I got to put together a roster. I got to learn the lay of the land. I've got to coach at a, at, a, at a higher level than he was at at, at UNC Wilmington. And frankly, I think year one was not a bad year, but it was, I, I think, I think frankly, a, a sobering reminder of what, of what instability can do. Last year, uh, I, I thought they were much, much better from the standpoint that I think you could finally get a sense of what a West Miller team is supposed to look like and how they're supposed to play if they get more talent. This offseason, they've done a pretty good job in the, in the transfer portal. What remains to be seen, uh, I think the two guys who have a chance to be their biggest difference makers, they need waivers cleared uh, in order to be able to play this year. Uh, if you have followed what's happened in that regard in college football, it certainly doesn't, uh, it doesn't give you much optimism for uh, those guys getting a chance to play. But they recruited a player who played last season at Kentucky and C.J. Frederick. They, they recruited a player who played last season at Temple. They recruited a guy that I think is going to be an NBA pick in Aziz Bandelgo from uh, Utah Valley State. They've got a kid from Butler out of the Big East, along with some young players who I think uh, have, have a pretty bright future. I think if this was a team playing in the American Athletic Conference – as it was constructed last year, you might be able to pick them to finish second or third. Unfortunately, the best team from the big from the American Athletic Conference is moving with them to the Big 12. Oh, and by the way, now you got to play Kansas and Baylor and Oklahoma State and, and a good Kansas State team, and you mm-hmm. go on down the list. And so I think, unfortunately, the the stability and the improvements from a talent perspective is probably going to be offset by the level of competition that they're going to play. But I certainly think that Wes, if you look at the caliber of kids that he is trying to recruit, and in some cases has successfully gotten to say they're going to play for Cincinnati, I think the program is on the right track. All right, Mo. And by the way, Baylor, uh, Cincinnati, that game is October 21st. All right, and uh, plenty of Bears will be on that trip. There's another road game to UCF two weeks before that, uh, or three weeks before that, and then it'll be time to come to Cincinnati, and, uh, and, and Mo, we'll all be reaching out to you for restaurant suggestions, recommendations, that type of thing. All right, if you can kind of help us in that regard, uh, but that'll be uh, that'll be exciting as the as the Bears uh, Gary come to town. And you're right, Cincinnati. I didn't I didn't even thinking about that. You you did duck. They didn't mean to duck them, but they're going to miss some of the big the powers. Although I know Texas is ranked to win the conference. Mo, just a reminder, they haven't done anything in many many years in this conference. So uh, this thought that you're missing some kind of big dynamo. Uh, that has not been the case for a lot of years, but apparently people now believe in the great Sark. Mo, have a uh, have a great one, man. I hope you're uh, the the Reds. What a story! I mean, you're 
yeah, I know you're into the Reds and you do some, you cover that pretty closely, but that was kind of cool. Earlier in the year, I thought they were just kind of yeah, going to be whatever. And then they got that rookie they brought up and, and then that became an exciting story. And we're seeing the same thing with the Rangers and, and the Astros in a great race. So anyway, I was, I was kind of, I was sending you good thoughts because I thought that's kind of fun that you get to see some decent baseball. Cause I know that hadn't always been the case. Been been a fun year, been kind of an une- unexpected year, and you know mm-hmm. they're six and zero this year against the state of Texas. Swept the Rangers here, swept the Astros there, and so and our old friend Dusty Baker, who we love so much. Now it's been, you know, relative. Uh, this was a team that lost a hundred games last season. Uh, I think if you go back to March, if you would have said that on August the fourth they'd be a half game out of first place, uh, somebody might have asked you to. Uh, you know, to submit a sample, but no, it's their future is really, really bright. I I don't know. I don't know that they're quite a postseason team because their starting pitching is so shaky this year, but they have a world of young talent, both at the major league level and still in the farm system. So I, I think it's about to be a really fun next few years for fans of the Cincinnati Reds and God knows they deserve it. (laughs) And my sad pirates sitting down there, at 48 and 60, where they belong, nine and a half games out of first place in the NL Central. Mo, great to catch up with you and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Mo's, we'll do it again, man. Thanks. All right, Mo Egger. Uh, and uh, Mo is uh, plugged in with Cincinnati Sports, the Bearcats.